Karen just texted me, hello. <laughs> hello, it's three. Where's my <laughs> professionalism? <laughs> just because I'm your cousin. <laughs> Where you be? Where you be at? Man, I went to a Cinderella supermarket today. Cinderella. 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 Oh, okay. Not Cinderella. It didn't turn into a pumpkin at midnight. No. Hello. What's up, Karen? Hello, hello. Oh wow! So nice seeing that window from the from the inside. I saw it from the outside <laughs> perspective when you were fishing stuff down the window. All right, ready? Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let your hair down. <laughs> All right, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Wait. Be careful of the AC. <laughs> okay, guys, we're live in three, two, one, action. It's the Redonkulous Podcast, starring Annie and Jeff and my coolest guy in the world whose name is James. It's Redonkulous. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Redonkulous Podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest. We have a returning guest. And we're doing a very special segment. Shout out to Professor Herzog's writing intensive class. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that's very, very dear to me. Well, all of us. Uh, it includes all of us. And it's something that we've been thinking about a lot, especially during this pandemic. So today we're going to be talking about the COVID-19 impact on xenophobia towards Asians. This topic was brought by a former guest. Karen is back on the show. So without further ado, please help me welcome Karen. Hello. Hey, Karen. Hi, Karen. Welcome back. Thank Hello. you. We remember you from season one, mm -hmm. but uh, tell us a little bit more about what we're going to be discussing today and what made you decide to make this archetype pitch for your final project. This is my last senior project before graduation and it was um, supposed to be an in-person project where we discussed it in class and try to incorporate everyone's project together but because of COVID-19 we had to do our own individual projects and my professor she wanted some students that didn't start yet to incorporate how like coronavirus impacted our school year and slash like impact the people in the world. There's been a new spotlight in like Asian racism that hasn't been around in like a little bit like it's always been around but it hasn't been this profiled since like a long time and it's crazy to see how much racism is going on in the world right now because of this one virus so basically you started late so you have to do covid now no i didn't start late. I just started <laughs> appropriately but then she's like if you didn't complete your project yet can you incorporate it and i said okay cool very yeah cool. when you brought this topic nice. up I thought I was very interested. I jumped on right away. I said, yeah, sure. This is something I definitely want to talk about. Like you said, it's been present, but it's never been so blatant. You know, it's never been yeah. so out in the open. You wonder, oh my goodness, I was born and raised in New York. What the heck is this? Am I, am I still, am I in the, the United States? Some of the stuff that we're hearing is crazy to say the least. Yeah, at least like something once a week on the news about Asian racism. Yeah, I feel like every day it's like a new Nick Shark post about like someone getting hurt or like an incident happening. It's like every day, it's always on my feed. 
Shout out to Next Shark. They're mm-hmm. doing a really good job. I think they're one of the news outlets that's been actively reporting on a- uh, Asian Americans. First came across the website, I was highly skeptical. I was like, is this true? You know, is, is some of this stuff validated? Because some of the stuff seems seems pretty out there. What's great about Next Shark is like, because they've been posting about it, not only do they post about it, but they actually help track down like police to help the case more and they bring more attention to it. So when you bring more attention to it, people do something. And like one of the first incidents that happened, I remember was like this guy that got hurt because he was out collecting cans, even though people were being warned, like warned about coronavirus, he was still collecting cans and he got beaten up. So because Next Shark posted about it, they created a GoFundMe and raised him like, I think like so much money. I don't know the exact estimate, but they raised him like a lot of money. And All right, get me on Next Shark, man. <laughs> <laughs> this recent coronavirus has made you realize like how it's affected you personally. Because we grew up in New York and it's like, I always, I grew up where I was always surrounded by a bunch of different race. I was in a middle school where it was like predominantly black people or African-American people. So I never thought like it was such a big deal because a lot of my friends were black and we all hung out the same. We went to the pizza shop together. We went home together after school. They used to bring me around Jamaica Avenue. And it was never like a weird thing. It was never like out of the ordinary. I remember one time in like middle school when I was in art class. And then I think we had like a free period where we were just messing around and waiting for our next class. So we weren't doing anything. And then we were in the front of the class and I was waiting for my teacher to let us out and go to our next class. But then when I was waiting, a couple of my friends they were like playing around with markers and then they grabbed like a yellow marker and they opened it and then they drew it on my arm and they were like, ha look, you can't even see it, it blends right in. And then I just <laughs> laughed at them. I was like, oh, ha ha ha. But then now thinking about it back to it, I'm like, wait, that wasn't okay. Like that's kind of racist. But Did I never thought of it. Did you marker and then draw it on the marker? <laughs> <laughs> there was the marker. I was like, if you draw on your skin, it blends in, it's yellow. It blends into everyone's skin. And then, but now thinking back, I'm like, that probably was like low key, not okay. Yeah, so let's break this down. So first of all, the the term xenophobia means fear and hatred of strangers or foreigners or of anything that is strange or foreign. Like what Karen just mentioned, some of them is just from misunderstanding. A lot of it is from racism. But deep down in the the root, I, I feel like a big, big portion of there's 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 a sense of fear. A lot of kids that that, you know, maybe they don't understand this and then they're hearing stuff on the news or they're hearing things from their parents. They don't know how to process it. They're, I'm not, and I'm not defending anyone, but they go out and then you see all this stuff happening, you know, 14, 15 year olds picking on um, Asian Americans. And it, it, it's really, really sad to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when, when this all first like started, I had a, had a few customers that were a little bit, I guess, I don't know how you say it, kind of scared or kind of, you know, they give me like weird looks and then. And but, you're Korean. <laughs> right, right. But they, I mean, they don't know the difference between Korean, Chinese, Taiwanese, you know, just all Asians look alike, um, I guess, in their perspective. But a few of my customers, you know, they're kind of a little racist, uh, but I think it stemmed from, you know, the media and from them not knowing all the facts or all everything going on. You know, and, and like you said, it came from, you know, a lot of fear blew, all blew up and there's more information out there. In my perspective, from my clients, from my interactions, um, they're not, 
not racist or giving you looks or anything like that, you know? <laughs> not, that you, not that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to share this story. And obviously, I'm not going to name the person. But there's a close friend of ours. We know him very well. Uh, he's a nurse and he works in the city. He has an electric skateboard. Those of us who know him now definitely know him. Um, <laughs> you narrowed his, it down. His, yeah, his, his hospital put him up in a hotel in the city. Obviously, he's respecting social distancing, wearing all, all the proper PPE, the mask and everything. When he's going to and from the hotel from work, he came across a group of kids. He, he said probably not even older than high school, but these group of kids were trying to crowd him. And when he was booster boarding through, they started chasing him. Now, that's crazy. And this is in the middle of Manhattan, you know, near Times Square. So Times Square, right? When I, yeah, when I, when I heard about this, I was like, what the heck? You know, imagine like he wasn't on an electric skateboard if he was just on a manual skateboard and you couldn't get, get away from these guys. Like, what, what could have happened? And this is New York. We're not talking about like Texas or something. I mean, no offense to Texas, but there's some crazy <laughs> stuff going on down there. Yeah. yeah. I always don't thought go, like... Don't go to the Sam's Club, man. In <laughs> Texas, don't, do not go there. I always thought living in New York, uh, you didn't really have to worry about racism as much because it's so diverse, especially in Queens. But um, I did experience racism when I was in the South. I was in North Carolina. I was in the airport with my friends who were all Asian. We're all like Asian women. And we were traveling. We were going to a bachelorette. And um, the guy at the plane door, he was like a security. And he was like, y'all speak good English? <laughs> I was like, what? I, I was like caught off guard. But I never experienced uh, racism other than that. I mean, I wouldn't even think that that, that doesn't even qualify as racism. That's just kind of like... Uh, prejudging, like prejudging, he didn't think being ignorant. He didn't think that we spoke English just because from the way we look. Yeah, because that happens a lot. I feel like whenever I'm in like Manhattan or LIC, well, like if I'm walking around and whenever I speak out loud in public, I always like when I see someone that's like not Asian kind of in a way, like whenever they walk by, I honestly feel like they're like, oh, wow, she speaks really good English. Because whenever I start talking in English, I see people look at me like, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like, should I not be saying English? Like, they just seem so surprised. Another thing happened to me in Florida too, when when I was in high school, and uh, it's like a we were like in like a suburban area, and then you know there was just like a group of Asians, um, you know, hanging out, and people would just give like weird looks to at us. I guess you know they're not used to it, and just give us weird, dirty looks. I'm not surprised. All these people that you mentioned, they're probably the same people that's injecting bleach into themselves. <laughs> I mean, bleaches. <laughs> bleach, yeah. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> What's the title? The one with uh, Ahmed uh, Arbery. Yes, I got it. So there's nothing to do with Asian Americans in general, but it's just like there's, there's this racial divide. When we're talking about this, I was reading this contract, I mean, not contract, this article. It's, by, it's from the Atlantic. Wait, scrolling too fast. Go up. Oh, okay. All right. So the title, Coronavirus was an emergency until Trump found out who was dying. This is a very long article, but super interesting. And they dive into uh, something called a social contract and something called a racial contract. This was shared by my friend Joanne on Facebook. And I clicked on it. 
last night. I couldn't sleep. And then I was just reading through it. And they were talking about how, yes, because of this pandemic, there is a social contract to kind of uh, be nice to your neighbor, um, all, all of that. And then there's something called a racial contract where there's some stuff that we don't even hear about. So this guy in Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia, was running through, I guess it, it's a white community or white area in Brunswick, Georgia. He's 24, 25 years old. Um, this retired police officer, 60 something years old, grabbed his son, was like, let's go grab the gun and chased him down, blocked his way, and then proceeded to, to gun him down. And this is all caught on camera. This happened in February, yet there was no legal action. Nothing was being done until this past week on Tuesday when this video went online. Now, this is crazy. That same day that the video went online, these guys get arrested. It, it doesn't take, it, it's not rocket scientists to put, it doesn't, it's not rocket science to put two and two together because there's a lot of public outcry, uh, public outlash on this particular subject. This just goes to show you that, yeah, even though we're all Americans, not all Americans are equal. You know, there, there is a racial divide. And it's, it's something that, that either we don't talk enough about or people just don't, you know, it's easier to, to just kind of close your eyes or look the other way. Um, and this actually spills over to all minorities, not just Asian Americans. Yeah, I saw the brief post I saw about it. It was actually so funny because it actually um, ended up becoming an argument between my friend who posted it and some random Instagram who, who commented on it. And she was talking about what the case with Aubrey and then someone felt like they wanted to just comment and be like oh it's so funny how you want to stand up for this guy who is African-American and you want to talk about how it's not fair that he got killed but isn't it his people that's hurting your people now and she was like I don't understand why I can't advocate for both you know we're all minorities we all want to advocate for him and our people and then she was like you're going to stand up for people who's coming against your people so you're disrespecting your Asian community she's like I'm not disrespecting anyone I'm just putting attention on both situations Asians are getting picked on right now but so his case is still important it's okay to stand up for both parties but it's like she just like this random person just felt like they wanted to weigh in and be like oh you can't be talking for both sides so what I could say about that don't do that okay you're kind of you're focusing on the wrong thing I'm not trying to uh, call anyone stupid or call anyone dumb, but you're distracting from the big picture. What Karen mentioned, why can't you be supportive of uh, another minority group? Like, there's no rules against that. It doesn't mean that you're going against being Asian or being against Asian communities. Right. It doesn't make sense at all. I mean, the thing is, you want to attack racism, not it doesn't matter, you know, what color you are. There is this podcast that I've, I've been recently listening to. It's not for everyone. I'll, I'll say that. It's, it's a pretty political podcast. It's called Escape from Plan A. It's a magazine created by Asian Americans in New York. They also have a podcast. What I really love about listening to this is that um, they talk about the Asian American identity. And it doesn't mean just being Chinese American or Filipino American, Korean American. If you're Asian American, you are part of the same community and you should work together, band together, and use that maybe as a political identity or even just your identity. You're Asian American. They also talk about some stuff like, uh, I'm sure Karen wants to talk about this. They, they, they've been uh, 
uh, dumping on Andrew Yang recently um, <laughs> regarding what he said about coronavirus. Something about like just just be more American or try to be more American. They like show more like patriotism. That. His statement that came out was just like, oh, if you want people to stop picking on you per se, or if you want the racism towards Asian community, stop. Show them that you're American. You know, like show more patriotism. Show that you love our country. Show them that you are part of this this country that you belong here too and people kind of like I don't know if some people misconstrued it and took it as in like oh um so what do you want me to do wave a flag and barbecue in my backyard and show people that I belong here by doing that and he he came out with the retraction that said like oh I didn't mean it that way but I also meant just like show them that we are American too but I guess he like because he has such a big following and because he was such a like he was such a presidential candidate that a lot of people were rooting for especially being that a lot of his factors when he was running for president was focused on Asian community he didn't really do much to help us during this like specific time with the racism going on and it just sucks because he was such a big part of that that protest when he was running for president and it seems like right now he's not really doing his part to help us out that was a huge part a lot of people asked him about being Asian American he always talked about my, my immigrant parents. I remember that. And that was one of the reasons why I admired him so much. I was like, yeah. Dude, he's using it as a strength. You know, people were trying to like, you know, uh, chip at him. And then he was just like, no, I'm proud to be Asian American. I'm proud my parents are immigrants. Um, and it, it, you're right. It, it kind of sucks to see him saying what he said. Yeah. Maybe he chose the wrong words when he was just explaining it. I honestly do see that. I feel like when he came out with his, like, not apology statement, but when he came out and said that you guys mistook what I said and kind of, like, twisted it, I do see that he was trying to just be like, oh, show them that you are American too. But I guess what people thought was, with someone with such a big voice in the world, you could have, like, said more than just be like, be more American. Like, he could have done something about it. On a side note, when Andrew Yang came out with Childish Gambino and they had that merch, I was like whoa (laughs) this is cool this is like two worlds colliding i would never have imagined that to happen that was crazy and that merch sold for so much money just because he signed it it it. so crazy anyway going back to your point like even with with that you know donald glover and then him having a lot of celebrities um kind of jumping on and and uh, pushing for him at the time when he was running for president it also goes back to the point it shows that just because you're in a different community doesn't mean that you cannot still support each other. So that was really, really cool and really fun to see as well. Yeah. I'm while while sure it lasted. He got like <laughs> some backlash from having a Childish Gambino like supporting him. I'm sure Childish Gambino got a lot of backlash saying like, oh, why are you supporting him? Like blah, blah, blah. He's not doing, because a lot of the um, community in the African American areas were saying how like his plan doesn't help them to say, but when he came out with Charles Gambino, everyone was like, oh, but like, is he really helping our community? And that really helped people to see like, oh, he is helping all communities, not just the Asian, targeting the Asian communities, helping them. So that really like opened a lot of people's eyes to see that like his campaign was bigger. Could have helped people, so many people um, yeah. from uh, injecting bleach. Helping <laughs> Okay, so uh, I want to talk about VOA News. Can you pull that up? Not the Third Coast Review, the VOA News. VOA, got it. All right. This is an article from June of last year, 2019. It talks about the evolution of Chinese and Asian faces in Hollywood by Elizabeth Lee. Oh, I know this article. <laughs> I used it in my pitch. Now, 
one thing that's really cool about this, uh, recently you've been seeing a lot of stuff such as like Crazy Rich Asians, Kim's Convenience on Netflix, all these shows that have been representing Asian Americans or Asians more in Hollywood. People who don't really follow the news or even follow the media, I'm not someone that really follows the news that much. We see a lot and we absorb a lot from different medias, different forms of medias. And part of that is television and movies. Hollywood uh, have a big say in, in terms of forming society and how people view others. Let's talk about how they portrayed Asian Americans and how um, it has changed over the years. Growing up, it wasn't that present. Even me being so young, growing up, I, would, I didn't see a lot of movies or characters. Maybe like one cartoon like Mulan growing up as an Asian like, character. But growing up, I didn't really see that present until like I think my freshman year of college, when Fresh Out the Boat came out, I started seeing more like Asian Americans like performing on TV. And then also like when Miyahiga blew up so big, like he was like one of the top YouTubers, he was such a big aspect to YouTube. And then I was just like, oh, there's more people like making it big around here, Michelle Fawn, so many people and they're Asian and it's crazy. And it's like, I was like, okay, so we're starting to get there. But then it also seems like every time like Kind of like Hollywood takes two steps, they take one back. Because, oh, like one step forward, two steps back. Because, like, it seems like they, they get that they need to do more in that community. But then it also seems like they're still hesitant. To, like, I love Eddie Wong in Fresh Off yeah. the Boat, man. He also has a law degree. Um, super, super smart guy. A very successful res restaurateur. Um, he has Bauhaus in New York. Mm -hmm. And currently it's closed. He's... I, I followed up on him. He, he's currently in, in Taiwan now. He's going to be chilling until at least July. He's not going to be coming back during all this crap. Um, yeah, so going back to the, the Asians in, in media. Growing up, I've heard a, there were so many jokes that were made about being Asian. And a lot, of the, a lot of people talk about Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was a big figure when, mm -hmm. when I was growing up. They talked about, whoa, what are you going to do? Be careful. Oh, my goodness. They're going to... Uh, they're gonna kick your ass or they're gonna do some Chinese Kung Fu on you. Or I Jackie remember, Chan. Mm -hmm. There's a story I want to share. I didn't think about this before this episode, actually. I just thought about it right now. In, in high school, I, I really liked playing handball. And in high school, I wasn't as chunky as I am now. I was a lot scrawnier, <laughs> I was a lot skinnier. Maybe two or three uh, of us Asian kids playing near Parsons Boulevard. And that area um, is, it's, it's mixed, but that area, I would say there's a lot of like African-Americans as well. And majority of the people in that park were African-Americans, at least on that day. So we're playing handball there. And these kids that are playing basketball, we're minding our own business. We're there for maybe an hour, an hour and a half, no problems. And right when we're about to leave, this group of, of uh, kids came by, two or three of them messing with us, like, you know, trying to pick on us and stuff. Um, at that moment, my mom called me. I picked up my phone. And I started speaking in Chinese. And one of the guys was leaving. And then he was touching the other guy on the arm. He's like, yo, yo, yo. He's calling his homeboys, man. You don't want to get beat up. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And, and they just left us alone afterwards. I was just nice. like, oh, mom. Happy, happy Mother's Day, by the way. You probably, you probably saved my life at that time. At least that's how I felt. And thank you, Mr. Bruce Lee. Thank you very much. I have a similar story like that, but I wasn't as uh, fortunate as you. Well, in, in a way, I was fortunate. 
in a way. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the park near 164th Street. Uh, Imagine there's the same park that we went to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the park we play handball in back in the day. Near, oh, near your, your old, your old near house. Near, yeah. Oh, yeah, near Key Food, yes. Okay. So I think it was like a junior high school, you know. I was uh, on my way to the park, and then, you know, there's like a deli right in front of there, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a, you know, there's a group of maybe junior high schoolers, you know, maybe like four or five of them. And I'm on my way to the park, and you know these these guys just uh, kind of like surround me, and they're like, "Oh, you know, show us your kung fu." I'm like, "Kung fu? I don't I don't know kung fu." <laughs> oh God! And then you know, and then one guy goes behind me, and you know, the bear locks me, and then you know, he uh, bear locks me, and then uh, throws me on the floor, and then like four or five of them just uh, start kicking me. Get out! Yeah. What? I guess uh, some of the older older guys that I played handball with at at the park they saw it and they came running out, and then those those kids just ran away. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't hurt or anything um that bad. That yeah, was in was junior bad. high. Yeah, I was in That's junior crazy. high. Damn. Why didn't you tell me that? If you if I had known that, I would never have gone to that park with you. <laughs> that park with you multiple times, James. <laughs> Wow. Here and there, I think all of us have experienced um, some form of racism, but it hasn't been so outspoken as it is now. Social media, YouTube, people to spread the news. Yeah, the media definitely magnifies everything. Like everybody has access to so much information and so quickly. Yeah. yeah, truthfully, I feel like if I didn't follow Next Track, I probably wouldn't have known about every single incident but it has been blowing up a lot but i also think it helps that i follow next shark so i see like all the articles they post and everything they're talking about and it just like amplifies it a lot more yeah and i, and I really like facebook and instagram too i mean you can really see like people uh, personal people's experiences mm-hmm. you know photos and videos yeah i really like you know social media for people's personal experiences I was talking to my sister the other day and I said, I feel like I haven't seen this stuff type of stuff happen when we were kids. But she was like, yeah, when we were kids, everything is like world peace. I was like, I don't think it was world yeah, peace. Yeah, I don't think so either. I told her too. She said the only thing that happened when she was growing up was maybe the Cold War with Russia. I was just like, yeah, we've been super sheltered, especially being in New York, growing up in New York, we were super <laughs> sheltered. Doesn't mean that it wasn't happening. We just weren't aware of it. Yeah. Well, there was also no social media at the time. True. Mm-hmm. Good point. I think it does. Yeah, I think it doesn't help that like majority of us grew up in New York, so we don't see it or we don't. We're not exposed to it because I definitely know that like two years ago, when we had like our family trip to Poconos, that was like probably one of the f- not first, but one of the times that really stuck in my mind. That I was like, wow, people outside of like Queens or outside of New York is ex- like they're super like they're exposed to their own people so seeing us they're definitely like who are these people they're not like exposed to us as much and it's crazy because like even if pennsylvania is not that far from new york it's just so crazy how two different worlds it could be yep 100 percent. don't have much experience you know with a lot of people 
Let's talk a little bit about the yellow peril. Karen, you referenced this. With all of this history came a perception of the Chinese as the yellow peril, the sinister Chinese, the Chinese that you couldn't trust, and that resulted in the character called Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu, a villain who wants to destroy the Western world, ended up on the big screen and in a television series. Especially in the 1920s, during this time, Asian, Asian Americans, not Asian Americans, Asians in general, were not portrayed uh, positively. There was this, a lot of racial tensions back then. Even now, there's a lot of racial tensions right now. But back then, I think uh, there was this perpetuation um, I don't even want to say propaganda. Propaganda might not even be the right word in this, in this context, but what they're portraying on the big screen was that, oh my goodness, they're not like us. It's them. It's them. And that kind of divided a lot of people. Now, the, these, you don't really see characters like Fu Manchu now, nowadays on the big screen. There's even like uh, that villain in Iron Man. I forgot his name. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Iron ben Kingston was the, was, the, was the guy that got casted. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> come on, guys. It was a super stereotypical character. And they brought it, obviously, they had to change him at, to adapt him to the, the big screen. He was the leader of the Ten Rings. Come on, guys. Oh, my goodness. All right. Mandarin? The Mandarin. Uh, yes, the character is called the Mandarin. Okay, so going back to what do you what do you guys think? Do you think it's nice that now we're seeing stuff like crazy rich Asians on on the screen? Yeah, in the beginning it was a lot of Asian men portrayed as like kung fu fighters, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, but now like movies like Crazy Rich Asians, you see them in a different light, like as not just like these. Um, kung fu fighters they're like real actual people yeah crazy rich asians was a really big deal when it came out and did you guys all watch it yeah no James. <laughs> I, I watched uh, parasite though <laughs> it's just called parasite <laughs> no yeah uh, it was a fictional movie but i read all the books and oh wow it was a it was a great movie i thought really enjoyed it there are also a lot of pros and cons for crazy rich asians let's talk about the pros first the pros like annie said you get to see asians in a different light you know they're we don't all know kung fu okay and we're not all good at math okay we're not all bad drivers some of us are but not all of us crazy rich asians portrayed us in, in a different light which is good the con side the bad side though of crazy rich asians is just we're not all crazy rich either. So it, it's, it's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum. I think it's good. By the same time, it's also not a realistic. Yeah, it's trail. fictional. Like, yeah. it's not real. But it's different and it was cool. Um, oh, another movie that I wanted to mention was like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like when people are like fighting in the air. <laughs> That's definitely real. That, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know when the movie first came out, I have a lot of friends on social media who are very vocal. So they like to like post their opinions and just to like talk about it, which I like because I like reading about it. And I know that like Crazy Rich Asians was supposed to get like a crazy amount of like, like love and support from the Asian community. But being Asian herself, she wrote about the movie and she wrote that she personally did not like it at all. She 
wasn't as hyped about it. She, even though it was an all Asian cast, big, big move in Hollywood, she just didn't like the movie. She didn't like the message. She didn't like a lot of things. And she wasn't trying to like, da- like downplay this moment, but she was just saying like, I guess from her perspective, she was saying for such a big moment in Hollywood, the movie could have had more meaning or purpose for like her. She just didn't see it. And like, she didn't like that. How like they took such a mon- like big step in Hollywood, but they didn't really bring anything forward with it. It was kind of just like a love story. So, I mean, everyone has their own opinion. I personally, I like the movie, but also the movie itself was very predictable because it's kind of like one of those movies that you already know what's going to happen at the end because I've seen those movies from like for so many, like so many different versions of it already. Does like, that mean different. you're not going to watch part two and part three? I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch part two because I do like, a lot of the movie was good. I liked a lot of the parts of it. Just the ending, I don't know, I guess because they do have to make it into a love story. It was very played out like the story itself was played out I feel like a lot of scenes were just like oh you kind of knew like oh he was gonna get on the plane and get hurt that was kind of like that was predictable oh, but yeah, like you've seen that in the, the right that Ryan Reynolds and uh Sandra Bullock movie too where he gets yeah you plane. see it played out so many yeah. times in Hollywood it's a very predictable mm-hmm. rom-com but it's very entertaining I'm yeah, excited I, for part two only because Harry Shum Jr. is in it I was a big gleek a glee a glee fan back in the day so I'm excited for that. Excited. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for the scene he has with her, I guess. Because her, Aster, her part in the movie was my favorite. The way she, like, I guess everyone would assume that, like, she would let the guy kind of just, like, talk down to her. And then they divorce, whatever. But in the movie, they really made her, like, I guess we would explain it because James didn't watch it. <laughs> in the movie, after she finding out her husband cheated on her and stuff, she was like, oh, I can't help you be a man. That's something, like you have to do on your own blame me for that you don't feel like you're a man and i really like that part because it's like she really like spoke for herself be a man nice do the right right thing thing. (laughs) (laughs) mulan is supposed to come out yeah oh nice i want to see mulan hopefully it's a good movie hopefully at least she's a woman with like kung fu they come out and then they they portray mulan as a non-asian male that would be, <laughs> be so messed up my experience for crazy rich asians i went in i was mad i did not want to see that movie annie dragged me to go see <laughs> excuse me <laughs> she did and i was not looking forward to it I was pleasantly surprised. When I watched the movie, yes, it was predictable. Yes, uh, there was a lot of tropes that, that you could have seen coming. But I really enjoyed it. I was like, whoa, I was not expecting this. Yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to, to part two and part three, when and if it comes out. A lot of people like to say, oh, it's 2020. It's not going to happen. Or it's 2020. Like, this is this now. I feel like even though it is 2020, there's still a lot of things that we've worked so hard and long for that's still present and relevant to today's society. Overall, honestly, it does suck to see your people, your own people, or even not your own people being like abused in today's world when everything should be like, kind of like a given, but I guess it's not given to most people. I want to make a very bad vision joke. You know, it's 2020, year 2020. Guys, open your eyes. (laughs) See clearly. We have enough yeah. things going on in our lives right now. We don't we need to add racism. We do not need racism. 
Yeah. We don't need it, but it's something that you can't avoid because we're living in America. There's always some form of barrier. Okay, so what made me see this or understanding was the census, the recent census. I saw that like my boyfriend, he like got a notice that was like, oh, you didn't do the census yet. Um, fill it out. We know you didn't do the census yet. And I've been telling him all, I've been telling all month, I'm like, go fill out your census. It takes 10 minutes, not that hard, just fill it out. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And he just never does it. So I saw the mail. I was like, you still didn't do your census. I was like, you still didn't do it. That made me realize at that moment why I guess a lot of Americans, like white people, hate immigrant people even if we're not immigrant even we're born here i could sense why they get so mad because senses are important whereas they help our community a lot but if you have a big community of people who speak like a different language they're not going to know that senses matter or care for it so they're not going to fill it out so your community is losing their whole funds and budget because that community doesn't know any better so then when i saw that i was like that's also that that's also true for americans nowadays in general i just think people don't give a f to be honest and but like in general yeah but then something that's important and it's just like ah whatever even even things like taxes people if they can push it off they're gonna push it off they're they're not gonna gonna do it but you also see like a lot of people like white like i don't want to like put into a specific one but like a lot of american like or white people they take stuff like the census voting they take it a lot more seriously because they know it's for the country they know it's their country that they're living in how it's going to benefit so a lot of white people take it more like oh we this is what we need to do to give back so there was like obviously not real it was a show but then it kind of like depicted the reality where this mom she volunteered at the, the polls to help people vote and she died because like something going on and then she was like oh my mom strongly believed in helping out the community and the future of our nation by helping at the polls and that made me realize like people like you see a lot of people volunteering at like polls or voting election areas they volunteer because they believe in like how powerful a vote can be so if they're going to take the time to do that it makes me realize that like they take like things like voting and census a lot more seriously versus people like we probably wouldn't know like we probably wouldn't care about it part of the issue is probably systemic i think the infrastructure is just very bad in in terms of like maybe uh, our parents were not taught to care about this stuff so growing up we don't care about this stuff there's part of that um there's education systems as as we can tell a lot of the infrastructures that we have in place they suck they yeah, really really this. suck look at our healthcare industry like we were not prepared for this even though trump was saying yeah pointy fingers but we had a two to three month head start look at taiwan look at south korea like what the hell there's no way that that you know we can be so boastful and then you know we are the most advanced country, blah, 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 blah. And we can't even take care of ourselves and yeah. our healthcare industry. So you're right. A lot of the, our infrastructure is, is totally messed up. It's not right at all. It could be a systemic issue. It's just in a weird way, this pandemic sucks, but I'm glad that it's, it's letting people at least observe and, and take a look at some of the stuff that's wrong with our culture and our, 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 our structures that we have in place. So that's a, an, another t- totally different Talk discussion that we can go I, I honestly do see the systemic part because like what you said, like my friend, when this first thing happened, even so, he kept like hit calling me and saying like, oh, do you wanna go for a walk? Do you wanna go for a jog? Do you wanna go eat this? And I was like, do you not understand there's a pandemic going on and stay home? <laughs> and then he was like, oh, people are gassing it up. It's not as serious as it is. And then, that night, I like kind of ignored his text because I was like annoyed, but then I couldn't sleep. So then I got up and I was texting him back. And I was like, do you realize how stupid you sound? Like, we're in a pandemic. And yeah, 
you're bored at home, so you want to go out and do stuff. But do you not see the facts? Taiwan is like so close to China where Wuhan started, the virus supposedly started. And yet a country this close to the origin of the virus has less deaths than America, where we're so far away. And I was trying to explain to him, I'm like, do you not see how we're so far from China, yet New York is being hit the most. We have more deaths than anywhere around. And places like Taiwan, where they did the lockdown, everyone listened to the government, everyone stayed in, everyone followed, like abided by everything. And they kept the virus contained, not contained officially, like fully, but they kept it where they didn't have to deal with so many deaths around their own country. And I was telling him, I was like, do you not see, like, this is, if you think it's still being gassed up and like exaggerated, just look at the facts for yourself. And then he was like, you're right, I'm sorry. I think it has to do with experience too. I don't think the United States experience does have a lot of experience with this kind of stuff as well. Asian countries, like, you know, they experience like MERS and all the other viruses more frequently and they're more prepared, a better understanding as a society you know yeah and here we're just fat and lazy so we're definitely not able to cope with that and we we don't have much experience (laughs) you know (laughs) so going back to that article from the atlantic when when they're talking about racial contracts um and this is also a systemic problem that we, we just brought up right now and i'll read you this this uh paragraph from there So the implied terms of the racial contract are visible everywhere for those willing to see them. A 12-year-old with a toy gun is a dangerous threat who must be met with lethal force. Armed militias drawing beads on federal agents are heroes of liberty. So it's a a little bit weird. A 12-year-old with a toy gun, you know, you have to respond with lethal force. Um, Continuing on, struggling white farmers in Iowa taking billions in federal assistance are hardworking Americans down on their luck. But struggling single parents in cities using food stamps are welfare queens. So there's already a racial divide there as well. Black Americans struggling in the cocaine epidemic are a bio underclass created by a pathological culture. White Americans struggling with opiate addiction are a national tragedy. So there's a lot. There's already misrepresentation in the media. Okay, continuing on. Four European immigrants who flocked to to America with virtually no immigration restriction came the right way. Poor Central American immigrants evading a unforgiving system are gang members and terrorism. So it's so weird how we label stuff and how we see it. Some of this stuff, you don't even know who's writing it and if they have a certain bias towards these group of people. Even the term that, that uh, we talked about before with Karen, the yellow peril, you came up with that term because China and, and America had a lot of racial tensions. And it's again, it's us against them. And I, I don't want to get too crazy right now and talk about conspiracy theories. But there's even today, there's a lot of racial tensions. Who knows? Like, what if down the line, you know, we, we do go to war? God forbid, knock on wood, you know? If we do go to war with China, what's gonna happen? A lot of us are gonna be in trouble, even, even if we're born and raised Chinese Americans here. You know, what if we get, uh, I was talking to Tam about this, my sister, Tammy, and she was saying like, it's just gonna be like the Japanese Americans during World War II. 
were probably going to be put into internment camps. Yeah, Being that's so born scary. Born and raised here, having a child that was born and ra- and grown up here, and they're gonna you're gonna be forced to to live in an internment camp. Where do we go? Because they're not gonna accept us here nor in China. Taiwan. <laughs> Taiwan. Let's go to Taiwan. That's it. We'll hang out with Eddie Huang in Taiwan. It doesn't even matter about the person or what they do. It's kind of like just based off your skin color, like heavily, because like actually right before this, it was randomly on my YouTube suggestions. I was like um, ex- exposing Fox News, how the way they treated Melania Trump as the first lady versus the way they were treating Michelle, uh, Michelle Obama when she was the first lady. And they were disrespecting her so much on national news. Now you have Melania who's like known for like kind of like copying what Michelle Obama is doing or like basically cop- like plagiarizing her speech. And yet they're talking so highly about her, how she's such a great, great person. It's so double standard. The point is also, James, if today, you know, God forbid, we got jumped or getting beat up, they're not going to take an extra five, 10 seconds to ask you, oh, are you Chinese? They don't care. They're still going to keep beating on you. Because he already looks the part. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy time, man. We don't have a, like a true media company where just, just escape the facts, from you know? Plan A. Escape from plan A. Go check out that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, so I think that wraps yeah. up for us. Uh, any shout outs you want to do, Karen? No, shout out to my professor. <laughs> thank you for actually, thank you for giving me this assignment because I actually really enjoyed it and doing my research. And it's actually refreshing to just read about our history and then compare it to like society right now. And also, uh, thank you, Karen, for being our 50th subscriber. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is. <laughs> you did, you did. Thank you for coming on the show again. And thank you for helping me. It was something that I definitely wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm glad that we got to explore it a little bit. I, Me too. We definitely could have dove in even deeper, but I, I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. Thank you Big for coming. Topic. Honestly, I feel like we'll be going on for hours. Okay, guys. So um, before we sign off, go check out um, Halloween. Go check out Texas <laughs> Massacre. Okay, let us, let us know what is the, the best scene and what, is it, what, what has scared you during horror movies and for karen make sure you go watch parasite because you like horror movies <laughs> so all right uh that's it for us guys please stay safe out there be mindful of people around you maybe not even in your own community there are no rules or laws against supporting other people in other communities as well so make sure you're kind just treat them like you would your friends or family because at the end of the day we are all humans and we are all living on the same earth so keep keep that in mind. Don't forget to stay ridiculous. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Right, thanks. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for having Thank me. You. It's the Jeff and Annie and James Ridiculous Show. Yeah. Awesome.